Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 26th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Lately, we've been reminiscing about the Royals' 2015 postseason. Maybe baseball's ready to get on with the present tense as owners and the players' union sort out the finances of restarting. But I wanted to take at least one more look back at the 2015 playoffs, and more specifically, the World Series drama that unfolded off the field before Game 1. It started in the late afternoon, during bag practice, I believe. The father of Royal starting pitcher that night, Edinson Volquez, had passed away that day. The team learned about this before Edinson did, and they had to decide when and how to tell him. Star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I spoke to Royals manager Ned Yost about this and other topics recently, and Vahe turned this part of the conversation into a column that's included with the story links in the show notes. So what we'll do on today's podcast is play back what Ned told us about the situation during the interview, and we'll take a break, and when we return, Vahe and I will pick up the conversation about the 2015 Game 1 behind-the-scenes drama. We had just gotten through with batting practice, and um, I was on the field, I think I was walking out, and, um, you know, the opposing team had just, the Mets had just stepped on the field, and Nate came up to me, and he grabbed me by the arm, and he pulled me away, he goes, listen, he said, we've got, we've got a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? And he said, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie's dad just passed away. And he said, I don't know, what, what do you think we need to do? And I'm like, oh my God. Here, Eddie, Eddie Volk has his dad. Eddie's sitting there in the locker room, and his dad waiting for him to pitch game one of the World Series, and now he's gone. And I said, well, Dayton, we got to tell him. I mean, we got to tell him. And Dayton said, well, I think we need to tell him too, but the family said, please don't. They want him to pitch. They want him to pitch for his dad. And if he finds out, he's not going to be able to pitch. So I'm like, okay, well, if the family said that they want him to pitch, his wife and his mom want him to pitch, then I'm going to do everything that I can to, uh, you know, to, to allow that to happen. So, But then again, now you've got that knowledge, and I kept coming out of my office about every five minutes and walking past Eddie's locker to make sure that he hadn't heard about it, you know? Um, you know, with the social media and everything going on, but he was sitting there with Johnny Cueto and Ventura, and they were laughing and they were talking every time I went by. So I found Chris Young, who was in the uh, weight room, and I said, listen, he said, this, this is between me and you, all right, but you need to get yourself ready ready to pitch tonight. He goes, what's, what's up? And I said, Eddie's dad just died. Well, Chris had gone through that. And Moose, as a matter of fact, he had lost his mom, and Chris lost his dad earlier in the year, so he understood the emotions behind that. And I said, he doesn't know, the family doesn't want us to tell him, but if he finds out, I don't think he's going to be able to pitch. And you, need to, you need to be ready to go. So he goes, I got you, I'll be ready. So... I kept watching, kept watching. Finally, Eddie gets stressed, walked out to the field. I'm thinking, okay, now uh, we should be good. And, you know, the whole time I kept thinking about Eddie's dad and Eddie when he's out there competing his tail off. And he ended up getting us through the sixth inning. He was at 100-something pitches. And he walked in, um, and I said, Eddie, with our bullpen, you know, I knew he was done. But Eddie, the competitor that he was, he wasn't, he wasn't done, right? I said, Eddie, I said, that's it. He goes, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I, I, I need to go back out. I said, no, you're good. 
you're good. We got our bullpen's going to handle it. He goes, no, I need to go back out. I want to go back out. I'm not good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I want to go back out. I want to go back. I said, Eddie, look. I grabbed him, put my hand on his shoulder. I said, you need to go upstairs. And he goes, no, I don't want to go upstairs. I'm good. I can go one more inning. I can go. I get you. I give it one more inning. And I said, Eddie, you're good. You need to go upstairs. You need to go upstairs right now. And, I mean, it was hard for me right there to hold it together. And he turned around. He was really upset. He wanted to pitch one more inning. But he turned around and went upstairs. Of course, Dayton and Eddie's um, mom and Eddie's uh, wife were waiting for him in my office. And, um, you know, that's when they, that's when he found out. And uh, so it was really emotional. He was, he was, uh, you know, pretty upset. He want, you know, why didn't you tell me? I wanted to know, but we, we wanted you to pitch. Your dad was watching that game and we wanted you to, we wanted you to pitch. So, of course, I didn't get a chance to see Eddie after the game. Um, and I think we played uh, game one with how many, 12 innings or something? Uh, I think the, the, the walk-off sacrifice fly. I think it was, so, was it four, time, 14 innings, was it? Yeah. Uh, it was four, 14 innings. That's okay. It was 14 then, yeah. yeah. So uh, I didn't have a chance to, to talk to Eddie, and, uh, you know, he had caught a flight to Dominican right away. So, you know, we had kept in kind of contact with his agent, and he was going to be back for game five. So when I saw Eddie, I'm like, you know, put my arms around him, and, you know, he was so appreciative, everybody reaching out. But I'm like, okay, I hope he's, I hope mentally he he's going to be okay because uh, you know this is this is going to be a big game for us and ended up giving up a home run to the leadoff hitter Anderson. I'm like, uh, here we go, come on Eddie, come on Eddie. But he ended up only giving up one more run and same situation. Uh, you know, sixth inning came along and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to fight me. And I walked over and said, Eddie, you're done. And, but he was emotionally drained. He put his arms around me. And, and said thank you. There was no uh, no fighting at this time. Well, what a what a powerful situation that was for even those of us just following it from outside. But I can only imagine the emotions that the team felt and you felt, and of course Eddie felt. Well, it was so raw because we had gone through it. It seemed like once a month. You know, <laughs> Chris Young's dad passed away, and then Chris went out. He passed away that night. Chris went out and pitched five innings of no-hit ball because it was his turn to start the next day. And he wanted to do it for his dad. And, um, you know, he just gave everything he had. And, and of course, we were so close as a group. Everybody, you know, everybody was felt it. Everybody felt the pain of, of Chris losing his dad. And when Moose lost his mom, everybody felt the pain of Moose losing his mom. So we, you know, we all knew as tight as we were and as close as we were, you know, the, the feeling that, that, that Eddie was going through and the emotion, I think, you know, knowing it's the World Series and, uh, you know, his dad's not going to be able to see him pitch was, was raw for all of us. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. 
Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So we just heard from Ned Yosvahe, and you wrote a column about the Game 1 drama that was you know, behind the scenes that started with the uh, the news of Edison Folkes's father dying without Eddie knowing about it. And Dayton Moore, I guess, was the person who in the Royals, um, Royals front office who was told about it. He told Ned. And then the decision was made, I guess in consultation with the family, whether to tell Eddie that his father had died. And the Royals decided, um, and I guess with, with the family's blessing, that that was... Um, uh, they were not going to tell Edison Volquez, starting the biggest game of his life, game one of the 2015 World Series. So it was um, – it, now, at this point, we didn't know what was happening. And, you know, us covering the game, this was all going on in the clubhouse and, and on the field during batting practice, I guess. We didn't know it was happening. But um, but we found out during the game. And um, what um, – when we were talking to Ned about this, this conversation that you and I had with Ned was a couple of weeks ago, but I, I was, you know, kind of struck by the vividness of the memory that he had of that night. You know, he was uncertain about some other things. I remember when you yeah. and I were talking, but he yeah. remembered almost every detail about that night. He did, and, and about that specific thing. And I think what was, you know, my biggest takeaway from what Ned said, and we have confirmed this in conversations with other people in the Royals organization, and it's sort of been once the sort of truth came to light, the, the arc of that has stayed pretty pretty uh, true to what, what we've learned. But I, I think the key point here is that it, it, it's understood that the family, it wasn't even just that the Royals sort of consulted with the family. I, my takeaway is that the Royals did what the family wanted them to do. Now maybe that's, you know, maybe it could be spun a little differently, but I think, I think the Royals would have told Edinson Volquez if the family hadn't said, we want him to pitch and we don't think he can pitch if he knows. Right. That, that's my thought. Did, did you feel like that? No, that, that, that's right. That's, yeah. that's, that was my interpretation. And I'll tell you this too. You, you know and I know through both professional and really even personal experiences with Dayton Moore that he's, he's pretty conscious of the humanity of it all. I mean, and... The implication of them doing that without the family pushing that would, would be almost using Eddie. And I, I just don't... But at the time, and this is, I guess, why this is important, there was a lot swirling around about what was, you know, known or not known. Right. And and, there, and, and who knew it? And, <laughs> who yeah, didn't? Who knew it? Was it being kept from him by, you know, some sinister plan of the royals? Uh, or the alternative... He knew, and he was just just biting his lip and pitching. And we had some of our own professional frustration that night a little bit, I think, trying to ascertain what was real. But it was precisely because they were trying to get to the truth of it themselves and, I think, try to manage the situation, which maybe sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate because we want it now and we see conflicting reports out there. But I do feel like... It, we were pretty disciplined in trying to sift down to the truth before we made any assumptions. Right. I think in the in five years later, it seems apparent now that 
that the family believed this was the best course of action for Eddie that night was to take the ball and not know what had happened back in the Dominican. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it's funny. I, one of the reasons I became – we all were pretty fond of, of Eddie, right? He was – Absolutely. Club, always so easy to deal with. Clubhouse favorite. Maybe maybe the, fav- the favorite in there, mm-hmm. right? And um, about a month before that, somewhere in September, late August, I guess I've been starting to bug him, trying to see if I could sit down with him to do a longer story. And kind of took a couple of weeks, and I sort of thought maybe he just didn't quite want to do it. Then one day I'm standing on the first base side – it's not a day he's pitching, and he says, you know, I'll talk to you for a few minutes after, a, you know, shagging flies or whatever. And he comes over, and we talked, standing on the field till like 10 minutes before game time for like an hour and a half. And it was such a delight. And I'll, most of it I recorded, but a lot of it was just talking to a really interesting and engaging guy. So one of the things I felt like I, I had a feel for from that was that as with many fathers and sons, right, that baseball's part of their relationship. And it was deep part of their relationship. I mean, from his dad taping Pedro Martinez to have, you know, Eddie able to see it all the time, the buying of his first glove, all these things. So knowing – I don't think we found this out till later. I didn't know, at least till, till spring training when, when it was an easier time to talk to Eddie – uh, that you know, he had talked to his dad the night before, and his his dad had had some heart issues, but he told him he was fine. And but I imagine and, and was thrilled to hear that Eddie was starting Game One of the World believe, Series. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't, you know, and but uh, you know, put two and two together here, uh, would would this man not have been here for the games if he weren't right? If he were full physical right capability, so I'm not sure we knew everything about his condition, but clearly not not well enough to be in the States for the time of his life. What do you remember about the way the news seeped out? Uh, so we're in the press box. We've got TVs on in the press box, yeah. but, but not always audio. I mean, we're just watching yeah. images. I, I don't remember if we had audio on that night. Or I don't think we did. Maybe it was through Twitter that we it was I, word was starting to Yeah, I think out. we were following up. It seems to me, tell me if I'm right about this, Seems to me by late afternoon, let's say the game started seven eighteen here. Let's let's say I don't know five forty seven. You know, somewhere in there, it's it's popping out, and I sort of think I distinctly remember not not our friend Marley Rivera, but another uh, maybe it's somebody with with ESPN Deportes or something having the first report. And that he, that his father had died, but somewhere soon thereafter, if not right then, and I don't want to impugn anyone because I don't know who specifically did it, but, but the report, the implication was, oh, Edison Volquez knows. Yeah, yeah. And we know that. And remember, so so by by first pitch, we were, I think, all like, my goodness, does he know? He knows his father just died, and he's he's pitching right now, and. And I think probably because of that, you get this stuff in your head. I seem to remember, and I may be as guilty as anyone, of just thinking, like, you know, looking for signs in his demeanor. You know, <laughs> oh, he definitely knows, or you know, stuff like that. But, but I, luckily, just having the the dopey impressions. But I don't think doing anything with them. I mean, I I think again, I think we were all pretty restrained. Um, I think we avoided the speculation that we would regret. But then I think the other thing that came about then was like, 
you started hearing the other shift, right? The thing we alluded to earlier, like, oh, well, he he doesn't know, and it's because the royals refused to tell him. Right, right. And obviously, that was not there either. So I think, but I think we were all feeling this enormous tension because we knew something he didn't know, or whether he did or didn't, we knew something big and didn't know how he was processing it or what to do with it. Well, and and um, and Fox Broadcasting, when the game was on Fox, right? It wasn't ESPN, it was Fox. They they had a decision to make too about about the news because it was known in the in the booth. The, yeah. the, 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 the crew of Joe Buck and Harold Reynolds and Tom Verducci, um, and then the you know, in the dugouts, Ken Rosenthal they they knew the news but decided not to report it. What do you know about that? Yeah, well, a couple things interesting there too, and, and this is implied, but it's something worth reminding our listeners to. You know, probably most of the people in the stands knew, right? Because right. they were getting their news from other outlets. They got cell phones. They got Twitter. cell phones. And I say most, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a, maybe 50% didn't know, but you, you can't imagine that people that knew weren't telling the person sure. next to them. And the TV audience... They didn't get it from Fox, but it, it, they weren't, that was, again, certainly not the only news outlet they were following this through. Right. Um, so, as we came to understand later, naturally Fox was aware of it, but made a decision that they weren't going to um, put it on air until they knew Edinson Volquez knew. And that was, uh, as we understand it, again, from with a little help from behind the scenes with the Royals, that... Um, I don't know if negotiated is the right way to put it, but it was talked through as this is a the, the, the human way to do this. So Volquez pitched six innings yep. that night. And um, and so in the eighth inning, that's when Ken Rosenthal, that's when Joe threw it down to Ken Rosenthal, Joe Buck. And this is what Ken Rosenthal had to say on the air. I hope I'm pushing the buttons correctly here, but here's Ken Rosenthal's report in the eighth inning on Edison Volquez. Joe, Edison Volquez is together with his family right now in the Royals clubhouse, together because of some awful news. Earlier today, Volquez lost his father, Daniel, who passed away in the Dominican Republic at age 63. It is not yet clear whether Volquez was aware of the news at the time he pitched. We will know more after the game and, of course, send our condolences to Volquez and his entire family. Right. We still didn't know at the time he was pitching whether Edison. We what, we knew his father was had passed away. What was unclear was did did Edison know that? Yeah, and I think um, the way that everybody came to understand it was clear was his reaction when he was told. Mm-hmm. Um, he was distraught. I think, if if memory serves, from a few things I've written over the years, I don't think I included this in the column I wrote the other day, but he part of his dismay, anger, whatever was about, you know, why wasn't I told? But when it was explained to him, I, I don't know if he immediately processed that, but he certainly explained to me or and others later that he realized and, and he would not have been able to pitch. You know, I don't know if we've ever had the full talk with him about, well, if you had it, if you could have drawn it up, would you have said, don't tell me and don't pitch? Right. Right. You know, what's the combination there? But, of course, the bookend of this is, is I, you know, I know we'll talk about, too, the bookend of this is how he ends up starting game one and game five under these, not equally, but certainly each 
poignant, tumultuous, crazy circumstances. Sure. Wasn't with the team for games two, three, and four. Yeah. Because he was in the Dominican for, yeah. for, his, uh, for the services, for his dad. And that service, you know, in the Dominican, um, you know, it's my understanding, it's my recollection and my understanding that um, the funerals are held, are held pretty fast because of just some, some lack of uh, things we might have here to be able to keep everything, you know, the way you'd want it ideally for a funeral with the bodies and things like mm-hmm. that. I hate to be so so blunt, but it's my recollection. I think the funeral was the very next day. I mean, he was he was flying out that night. I think the funeral was the game was on. Was that a Monday game, Blair? Boy, I cannot remember. I can't quite remember. It seems like in my mind it was Monday and the funeral was Tuesday. Maybe I'm off a day, but I'll never forget the pictures of him from the funeral. Every one of them. This this was a shattered man, and. Um, so there was real doubt about whether, you know, he, he might be able to do this. And again, his family plays a big factor here. His mom pulled him aside that night and said, you know, he would want you to pitch. So, yeah. so he did. And I love something that Ned told us also uh, that we, we reported at the time, but it was good to be reminded that the Royals had some experience here with – the father of Chris Young and and um, Mike Mustakas's uh, mother, mother. Yeah. that that season, right? Yeah. So they had handled um, similar situations, and, and 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 of course Ned, as you heard earlier, spoke of it as something of a I don't know if a galvanizing force is the right word, but just um, it it showed the compassion of that clubhouse. You know, in a way that doesn't afford itself often to other clubhouses, but it did for the Royals that year, and it, it kind of helped Ned define what this team was and what it was about. I, I think so, and Ned, you know, Ned saying that reinforced the thought to me in a way maybe I hadn't thought that much about before. Although I do always remember thinking, like, this is pretty unusual. Three parents' deaths in one in August. Mike Mustakas's mom, Connie, was in August couple of weeks after he'd been home and seen her for the last time and right. given him his all-star game jersey, given her his all-star game jersey. Chris Young, his father had been ill for some time. Mike, Mike's mom had been ill for some time too. But Chris pitching that day, five innings and no-hit ball. Right. And, but absolutely, you know, finding that sweet spot where you're fueled by this trauma, I mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, I think that's, that's hard to imagine. You know, it's funny. I, th- I thought about this. I didn't include this in anything I wrote, but I, I remember thinking, you know, we all can relate to loss. We can't all relate to having to perform with loss. <laughs> and, and that's... At the highest level, in the most pressure situation yeah. that the game avails. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and particularly with Edinson, right? But it's... Um, so they, they, there was a certain extra bond among those three guys, but it spread throughout the clubhouse. And, you know, I've talked about this kind of ad nauseum and written about it a number of times. But one of the most striking, if, if I'm ever doing the, you know, top 10 favorite sports moments, it, you know, one, one will always be being on the field late after that game, which was kind of fascinating for us anyway. Absolutely. Was. I mean, you know, I'm not sure I recorded as many images in my head as I would because you're kind of just, you're on scan looking for who you have to go talk to. You're not just, but I will say this, I got, I got up, I'm going Eric Bianami on you. Um, I got up on the pitcher's mound that night, which I'd certainly never done a, a major league thing, and just stopped for a minute to 
get above it all and just look around and, and appreciate the moment. And uh, that was right then that I saw Edinson uh, nearby talking to, I believe they were reporters from the Dominican, but certainly Spanish speaking reporters. And then a few moments after that, Mike Moustakis came over with the trophy to hand him oh, wow. and whispered in his ear. And he, you know, I asked Mike later what he said, and he just, or Mike or Edinson, and just that he loved him and, and that his, his dad must be really proud of him right now. And it, every time I look at the picture, every time I think about it, it, it chokes me up because it was such a genuine bond and, and something, you know, really only people that had gone through that in a short order right. in the same circumstances could appreciate together. Yeah. And Volquez pitched great that night. Um, and he did. Six, another six solid innings for the Royals. And remember, too, the funny thing, not funny, ha-ha, exactly, but my goodness, home run on the first at-bat. Yeah, the Granderson home run. And you're like, well, maybe he just can't go. Right. And then right. one other hit in six Yeah, innings. one other run. I think he in the— And one uh, run. One run and one hit. In the fifth or the sixth, he loaded the bases. Yeah, no outs. With, with no outs, and it was one, yeah, one run. I didn't remember that until I watched rewatched the game last week that— Oh, he yeah. got, this was no, bases loaded, nobody out, so they got one run out of it. Yeah. That was Huge. pretty crucial. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't hook him then, actually. Yeah, there was, I think. In they, hindsight. They had uh, uh, Jose maybe, Herrera, maybe Herrera, was Maybe up. Herrera in the, in the bullpen, yeah. Also, I forgot Herrera pitched three innings that night. <laughs> three innings. <laughs> Royals did a lot of that in that, in that yeah, they season. Yeah, they did. A lot they of did. multiple innings from those guys. So, well, it was great talking to you about, uh, about this story that I found just really interesting. I loved your column on Sunday, and we've – We've uh, linked to it in the in the show notes. But before we leave today, Vahe, we're recording this on, on Tuesday afternoon and hopefully posting it a couple hours later. Before we started recording this, we learned that a friend of ours in the business had passed away. Chris Dufresne, who spent so many years as a national college sports writer for the Los Angeles Times, but in the last, I don't know, six, five, six, seven years, um, he took a buyout at the Times and was still doing his magical thing uh, for other publications, I think most recently SI.com, but I know he and our other buddies, uh, Mark Blotch and Tony Barnhart and Herb Gould, uh, started The Media Guides, yeah. which is perfect, perfect name for a, <laughs> you know, their, their website that, uh, where, they, where they wrote about college football. But Chris was 62 years old and... We were just flabbergasted by the news, and I, um, I, I'll remember Chris as one of the wittiest journalists yeah. I have ever known. Made me smile every. He couldn't write something without making me smile, and loved being around him at at college football games, national championships. He did some other, you know, he, he covered other sports as well, but it's mostly college football that I'll remember before. Yeah, that's why I saw him at the most, and saw him at the Olympics some. Um, and you, you said it so well. I mean, really, the wit always showed up in his writing. It also showed up in his, you know, just uh, gracious and kind way that we'd see him. I mean, he, he was always fun to be around. And he did grace our profession. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've been lucky to be around people like that, that you feel like make us all feel better about what we do and who we get to do it with. And Chris is absolutely one of those guys. And, you know, for us both, I mean, it, it, it was, uh, whoa, Chris Dufresne? Chris Dufresne just died? And um, I, 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 it's, very, it's quite jarring. Uh, I had no notion that he was ill or – and I guess we don't exactly know what happened specifically no, yet. No, no. Um, so we will refrain from, yeah, su- yeah. from suggesting. But 
Uh, one of the neat things about Chris is before he worked at the L.A. Times as a writer, he was a paper boy for the L.A. Times. <laughs> he was throwing the paper on people's people's yards. How about that? Did, didn't he get to know was it did, Bill Dwyer through that? I can't remember exactly the sequence, <laughs> but but he was certainly a, a guy who took seriously. Um, you know, being a, a protege of Jim Murray's in a way, right? And and things like that. And, and I think um, uh, Jim Murray, I'm sure, would look fondly on all of what Chris has done. And um, I forgot that he had been a paper boy, though. That's that's kind of perfect. And one of his famous sort of regular sticks was um, he, he was the Duff Rank Man. You know, he was... Uh, um, he would rank. He, his rankings were were just hilarious. Going as far as to change his Twitter handle to Duff, Duff Rank Man. <laughs> yes, that's right. Doof, maybe. Yeah, I Doof. Don't know. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I, uh, I'm thinking Simpsons. Doof, with Simpsons. Duff. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. here. Doof. It, it was Doof for sure. Um, uh, so look, Chris. Uh, wow, tough news. Rest in peace, my friend. Yeah, Chris. We we will miss you, brother. All right, Vahe. Thanks a lot, my friend. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and a former Royals manager, Ned Yost, for sharing that story about Edinson Volquez. Links to Royals stories can be found in the show notes and all of our Royals coverage is available on the True Blue app. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands. It's a good one. 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage and that includes Sports Extra, on the E-Edition. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. Whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening.